It's good to be with you again tonight as I look out over the number that we have here. I know you're from many different congregations, and, and it's good to meet Brother James Rogers tonight. I've heard a lot about him and down at uh, Smyrna. How long have you been down to Smyrna? Okay, uh, I've got a son-in-law that's uh, interviewed. He's a medical doctor, and so he's interviewed down there, so we may have to run him out your way. It'll be about a year from now before he gets his specialty finished. But anyway, as I look out over the number that's here, and I see one of our members uh, down in Manchester where I preached there that's here tonight and brought his grandmother who lives, I believe, over in Baxter, and they're here tonight. And, and you know, I, I must miss, uh, mention a good friend of mine, Chris Reeser, uh, preaches down in Jackson County, I believe. It is across the line, isn't it, Chris? Okay, a uh, good friend of mine, I've known uh, he and Sheila for some time, and you know, it's always wonderful when you have preachers uh, in the assembly. I remember back a few years ago when I first started preaching, you know, I'd look out there and I'd say, man, there's seven or eight preachers here, and you know, I better be careful and be quote this scripture just right, but you know, I found out through the years when I'm sitting in a in an auditorium and someone else is preaching, you know, I want them to do so good. And so that's the way us preachers are. At least I think that's the way it is. But it's good to see all of you here, many of the members from Willow Avenue and others, individuals and other congregations here that I had the opportunity to know when I was working here in Cookville. And I've mentioned to you a couple of times in our service that, you know, People away from here, they'll say, now you are from Cookville, right? I said, well, Cookville has kind of adopted me. I'm from White County over in Sparta. But it's good to see you, and I hold more meetings in this area than I do over in my hometown. And I was telling my brother, I said, you know, I don't get to preach too much over my hometown. He said, well, you know what Jesus said about that. He said, a prophet's not out to honor in his own country. He said, they still think of you as a pharmacist over here. And maybe that's true, but, uh, you know, I love preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And tonight I want to talk about a subject that I've titled, Can People Change? Can People Change? It's amazing the times that I hear individuals as someone talks to them about maybe some problem that they may have in their lives that's, not conducive to what a, a child of God uh, should be, maybe. And I hear individuals say, well, you know, you're just going to have to accept me like I am. You ever heard people say that? I'm just like I am, and you're going to have to learn to accept me just like I am. And other times I will hear individuals say, well, you know, haven't you heard that it's, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks? You ever heard that? And then I've even heard some people say, well, you know, it's, it's genetics. Well, I'm telling you, I don't buy all those things. Because I'm going to use some examples of people that I have been associated with in my life that I know have made drastic changes in their lives. And I'm going to give some biblical examples of individuals that changed their lives. And you know, we think about one just up front is Paul. Have you ever thought about Paul? 
A man that wrote half of our New Testament, maybe over half of our New Testament, and, and such a wonderful man that has a great amount of zeal. And you know, he, in writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and, and verse 15, he said he was the chief of sinners. And you know, Paul was killing, persecuting, and being involved in killing individuals strictly because they changed religions. They changed from being a Jew to becoming a New Testament Christian. Now, you know, sometimes people do something and harm someone for something that they have done wrong or harmed them in some way. But Paul was so zealous that he had legal papers saying it was okay for him to arrest individuals in other cities just because they were New Testament Christians. But Paul changed. The Bible reveals to us uh, the story of when he was going toward Damascus in Acts 9 chapter, and chapter 22 and 26 and talking about the conversion process in his life. And we find that God got his attention by laying him flat on his back. And many times I have said that it seems that individuals, many times something drastic have, has to happen in their lives before they will change their life. Have you ever noticed that? Let me give you one example, and not that I was, I, I never did rob banks or anything like that. But I remember a few years ago, in fact, about 1973, I was working as a pharmacist in Memphis, Tennessee. And about five minutes before we closed the pharmacy, there was an individual that walked into the pharmacy and he had a pistol. And before he even got close to me, he shot me through the shoulder. Now you talk about getting your attention. And he came closer and he put the gun to my chest and he said, I want all the narcotics that you have. And needless to say, I grabbed a box and put all the narcotics that I could get a hold of. And then he said, hit the floor. And this is just like yesterday. He said, hit the floor. And I just fell back on my back on the floor and he points the pistol again. And I said, please don't shoot me. You've already shot me once, and you've got the narcotics. I'm telling you that that changed my life. I looked the other day in a little journal that I'd found, uh, my brother had found, that I didn't remember that existed. A drug salesman had given me a little journal, and I made a daily entry in that back in 1979 and 1980. And I was preaching at that time at different places. You see, that got my attention. And it made me realize that, that I came that close to possibly leaving this world. And I began to realize that I needed God truly in my life. And I studied to the point that I ended up selling both of my pharmacies and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can people change? Yes, people can change. 
I remember another story of an individual over in White County. Probably 14 years ago, someone told him, told me, said, you need to go to this individual and called his name and said, I think that he needs to hear this gospel that you're telling people about. And they said, now he's pretty rough. This man was involved in fighting and getting drunk all the time and spent quite a bit of his time in the jail. And I remember going in to study with that individual, and I just remember it just like it was yesterday, many years ago. And when I got to the end of the study, and I asked him about becoming a New Testament Christian, and I can see right now he put his hands together like this and closed his eyes. And he said, let's go. And did you know that that man where I was preaching at Eaton over in White County, he was at the building. He was the first one that was there. His life totally changed. He opened all the doors. He turned on all the lights and he never closed his Bible on the coffee table. It was open. And would read not just the New Testament, but the whole Bible through like 11 times. I know he did one year. You see, our lives, man can change their lives. And when people say, you're just going to have to accept me like I am, that's, that's not true. That we can change our lives. President Woodrow Wilson one time said that if a man has not the knowledge of the Bible, that he does not have the knowledge or the key to life. The Bible will literally change our lives. In Matthew, the 21st chapter there, beginning in verse 28 through 32, we found where a man had two sons. Gives us an example of how these men changed their minds. Two individuals there, and the dad had asked one of them to go to work in the vineyard, and he said he would not go. But he changed his mind and he went. The other son said that he would go, but he changed his mind and decided not to. We can change our minds. And you know, sometimes I've noticed as politicians, as they debate and so forth, we're in an election year, and, and sometimes they'll say, well, you know, you've changed your mind on that, you know, and in, in saying it in a negative way. You know what? I've never understood that because I've changed my mind many times, haven't you? That have changed my life, the direction in my life. You know, Jesus talks about that in John 8 chapter and verses 32 through 36. He said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then Jesus talks about there of the fact that, that if we're involved in sin, we become a slave to that sin. We become a slave to that sin. And, you know, I work lots of times, all of us preachers do, with, with individuals that are alcoholics. Did you know those people can change? 
Oh, I realize that they constantly have temptations in life to go back to that old way of life. I understand that. I find individuals that, that quit smoking. They changed. They changed their lifestyle. There's a popular TV show that, that I never do like to watch because I have to diet all the time. And it's the biggest loser. Any of you ever see that? And those individuals, some of those individuals, have changed their lifestyle and their even eating habits to the point that they've lost 100 pounds or more. We can change our lives. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 5 and, and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. What's he saying? He says, when we are added to the body of Jesus Christ, then we put that old way of life behind us, don't we? That's what he's saying. And we become a new person. We, we become a changed individual. Paul, as he was in prison in Rome, in Colossians, the third chapter there, in verses 5 through 9, Paul talks about that former life. He talks about that life that, that's no longer there to have wrath in their lives. No longer are they to have anger in their lives. And, you know, I mentioned a few moments ago that, that I'll hear people say, well, you know, I, I just, like I am, you've just got to accept me. I want to tell you what God's word will do to you. Did you know it took my temper away? You know, I'm an aggressive person. Always have been. My wife said, you know, one speed. And that's 100%. Did you know because of God's word that my children, we were married eight years before we had children. And my oldest girl that's 35 years old all three of my children will tell you right now that they've never seen dad mad. I'll tell you, we can change our lives. If we will fill our lives with God's word, we will begin to react how our Lord would react when confronted with situations in our lives. And Philippians, the second chapter there in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. How can we have the mind of Christ is to study God's word on a daily basis? Isn't that what Jesus said in John 5 and 39? He says, Search the scriptures. They are they which testify of me, he said. Read and study God's word and it will literally change your life. There's a there was a sermon that I preached one time. And it was based upon a necklace and bracelet that people were wearing a few years ago. And some of you will remember that. WWJD, you remember that? What would Jesus do? In situations where we are confronted maybe with adverse circumstances in our life as we attempt to live a Christian life, if we have read and studied God's word, then naturally we'd think 
Now, how would Jesus handle this? I remember a few years ago that, that I was uh, filling some prescriptions, and we had really a huge business there, and there were probably 30 people there in the apothecary waiting for prescriptions. And, and I remember that one time there was, a, there was a prescription that had gone up 50 cents. Today they say it's more than that. They go up more than that. But back then it went up 50 cents. And I remember a man that was standing there, and I can tell you his name. He's not living now. And because it went up 50 cents, he, he said everything that you could say to me in the negative. Right loud where everyone there could hear him. And you know what I did? I said, well, you know what? I really care for you. And I said, I thank you so much for doing business with us these few years. <clears throat> Did you know he just wilted? He just wilted. What did he want me to do? He wanted me to react. He wanted me to explode. You see, you have to know that I used to have a high temper. You know, being raised with seven boys. That will give you a high temper, okay? But I learned to control my anger and my temper. We can change our lives. Let me give you another example. In Luke, the 15th chapter, one that you are very familiar with. You remember the one that we call the prodigal son, beginning there in verse 11? And you remember that younger son, he told his dad, he said, I want, beginning in verse 11 and through verse 24, he told his dad, he said, I want my inheritance. I want to change my lifestyle, in other words. I want to get out there in the world and, and see what it's like. And he changed his lifestyle and he wasted all of his money, the scriptures tell us there in Luke 15. And you know what? He got to the point of where someone was letting him work there with the pigs. And even to the point that, that he was going to have to eat some of the, the husk there. And I'll never forget a verse there. It says he came to himself. You see, it got his attention, didn't it? He came to himself. That means that he changed his mind about the situation that he found himself in. He had hit rock bottom. And I've said many times that people will not change their lives until they hit rock bottom. Many times. There's a story of an individual, true story. Out in Oklahoma, I read this article. In about 1935, there was a family of eight children. And the reason I remember this, there was eight in my family. Eight children in that family. True story. The dad died when those children were young, eight of them. Left them for the mother to take care of. And that mother had to go into, she was a nurse and trying to provide for her family and 
And true story, this one boy, one boy, the youngest boy in the family, everybody else is in the family is trying to work and, and make ends meet. And this young man, he got with the wrong crowd in his teenage years. He began to drink. He began to steal and, and spent quite a bit of time in the jail. In about 1965, he came home from jail, let him out for a while. And he stole a check writing machine. And guess what happened to him? He goes to prison for four years. And that got his attention. His oldest sister and her husband went to that prison, began to talk to him about his soul. And he became interested in something spiritual. He was to the point where he wanted to change his life. And one of the family members baptized him into Christ for the remission of his sins. And you know, he got out his mother died about a year after he got out of prison. Labored hard and worked hard with that family. And he left the church. And he goes back out into that world. He changed once again. But let me tell you what happened. He goes to the doctor with some medical problems. True story. Now the doctor says your heart is enlarged from your drinking and drug use. It got his attention. And did you know that what he did at that point, the rest of his life, was going back to the different jails and prisons and so forth, telling people about Jesus Christ and the fact that it will change your life. He spent the rest of his time, and, and I'm told that he baptized up to a thousand people before he died. He changed his life. You know, I don't know that what it takes to get some people to, to, to get their attention. Again, sometimes things drastically, drastically must happen in their lives. Paul said in Romans the 6th chapter in verse 17, But God bethink that you were a servant of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, Romans 6 in verse 17, that you were a servant of sin. You know, man can change. It's not a question of where he can change or not. But does he want to change? That's the key, isn't it? You remember those Corinthians we talked about uh, maybe in the Bible class Sunday morning. Those Corinthians, they lived in a pagan society. 
And Paul goes into that city. And he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church was established there in Corinth, a commercial city. Steep with idolatry. And Paul there in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. I want to turn with, uh, with you just a moment to the 6th chapter. And I want you to notice what verse 9 and verse 10 and verse 11 reveals to us. Paul said in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous cannot go to heaven. That's what Paul is saying. And Paul gives us several catalogs that are not exhaustive of, of these things. If you're involved in these things, then you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And this is one of those lists. If you are involved in these things, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says, be not deceived. Don't be fooled. He said, fornicators, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, or homosexuals, nor abusing themselves with mankind. Verse 10, he says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. None of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. But he says something there that is very significant. I can just see him almost in, in thinking of their lives. Thinking of the lives that he lived. And he said, but such were some of you. In other words, you in the past, here's what you were. You know, we were just talking before the service tonight, and someone says, you know, it really doesn't matter what happened years ago, does it? It really doesn't. Because in Hebrews 10 and verse 17, it says that he will remember our sins and our iniquities no more. That horrible life of sin that you've lived in the past can be history. And you know, that really doesn't seem fair, does it? That people can live that kind of life and because of the grace of God, if an individual chooses to change his life, that God will forget those sins or those iniquities. Hebrews 8 and 12 says the same thing. Now that's amazing. And sometimes I know that that other people will not let us forget those sins back there. Sometimes the people remind you of something, maybe some sin that was in your life back in the past. Oh, yes. But I tell people sometimes that they will tell me, well, I'm still praying that, that God has forgiven me of that sin. And, and I said, you know, if God spoke to you today verbally, he'd probably say, what are you talking about? Because he said he remembers our sins and our iniquities no more. However, other people may not let us forget those sometimes. But we can change. And I'm telling you, some of the strongest Christians, I've mentioned some of them. Some of the strongest Christians I've ever met are individuals that have lived over on the other side of the track. That they have been there. Paul said in verse 11, but such were, such were some of you, but ye have been washed. 
What's he talking about? He's saying you have been washed in the blood of Jesus. How does that occur? In that same sixth chapter of Romans. And verse 3 and 4, there it talks about that we're buried with him by baptism into that death where the blood was shed. And like as the Son was raised by the glory of the Father, even so we also, what? Should walk in newness of life. He says, such were some of you, but you have been washed. It says, you have been sanctified. That means that you have been set apart. You have been justified or excused in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know, I don't know. But if I had not been shot years ago and come close to dying, I don't know that I'd be here tonight and telling you what this can do for your life. I don't know. Again, individuals that have experienced these things sometimes are much stronger. And you know, I believe that I'm, I know that we want to raise our children in the Lord's church and nurture an admonition of the Lord, but, but you know, sometimes individuals just inherit a faith that is not what it needs to be. Did you know at some point in our lives it must become personalized, individualized at some point? Paul tells those at Philippi in Philippians 2 and verse 12, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean a different salvation. Hey, listen, you personalize this thing. And I've challenged many of you, and I will always do this, to fill your life with God's word. I've told you that for many, many years, I've read the New Testament through at least one time per month. Years ago, years ago when I first started preaching the gospel, I asked Brother James Meadows at the East Tennessee School of Preaching. I said, Brother Meadows, what will mean more to me as a preacher than any other single thing? And I'll never forget. He said, reading nine chapters of the New Testament per day, and you will read it through each month. And you know, I got a few years ago, back in 2009, I said, I believe I'll just write this down and see how often I am reading it through. And it was actually about every 17 or 18 days that I was reading through. I'm telling you, we need to know God's Word, and it will change our lives. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it says, the Word of God is quick or powerful is sharper than a two-edged sword it will literally change our lives that's what God's word will do for each one of us and I challenge you to try that all the places that I've preached people will tell me said, thank you so much for challenging us to read the New Testament through each month you know, I remember a few years ago, my girls, I told some of you, both of them played basketball in college, and, and I would travel to see those girls play. 
And many times uh, I would have my Bible with me and they would say, Daddy, now I'm going to read this verse and you tell me which side of the page it's on. Why are you, Daddy, still reading this? You know what? Because I forget. Do you ever forget anything? We must constantly read and study God's Word. Isn't that what Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and 15? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Acts 17 and verse 11, he says, these are, these are more noble than those in Thessalonica, that with an openness to mind, they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. And you know, I've noticed many of you, I know that you're Bible readers, and the reason I know you're Bible readers is when I quote a verse, sometimes I'll hear I'll see your head nodding. Yes, you know God's word. That's what Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, repentance means that we must change our lives. Can people change? They must change if they're going to have eternal life. You remember there in Acts 3 and 19, repent ye therefore and be converted or be changed. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and be converted, be changed. You see, if we couldn't change, God wouldn't request for us to change. That first sermon that was preached in Acts 2 and verse 39, 38, says repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that what Jesus told us in Luke 13 and 3? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You know, I noticed back in the Old Testament, you ever notice the way God dealt with those people back there? And many times when they sinned, many times they would lose their life right then. You remember? You know, I'm thankful that we live under the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but sometimes it bothers me. You know why? Because Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering and patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. You see, we can change our lives. You know, I'll tell people that you remember years ago that uh, any of you remember the alfalfa and those guys? I know some of the younger ones may not. I don't know where those are still on or not. But what, what is the distinguishing feature when you think of alfalfa? <laughs> Somebody said, there's some hair sticking up, right? Now, I'm going to tell you, the reason I mention that is that Alfalfa, he looked in the mirror on the wall and he didn't grease that down, did he? This Bible is a mirror to our souls. And when we look into this mirror of our souls, I ask you, do you like what you see? James tells us there in James 1, 21, 22, be, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. This morning, how many of you, I don't want you to hold your hands, but 
I'd say most of you looked in the mirror today, right? The mirror on the wall. I, most of you have. Now, why did you look in the mirror? Well, I didn't look to see if my hair was standing up, but that's not a problem with me, okay? But if you look in the mirror and you see some egg on your face, what do you do? You wash it off, right? I don't like that on my face. When I read and study this word, it's a mirror to my inward being. And if I don't like what I see, that's what James is talking about. Did you know it? Be a doer of the word and not the hearer on. You can change. When people tell me it's in my genetics, don't believe it. When people say I can't change because you, you can't teach an old dog, you, you can. You can change your life if you want to. I'm telling you, I had a high temper. I told you. I was the oldest one of all those boys. And they would team up on me. And you know when I got married? I couldn't do that with her because I wouldn't have a wife. I, I'm fixing to be married 43 years. And by the time my children came along, I changed. I tell them, I said, my two girls and the boy, I said, did you know that Dad used to have a high temper? And they said, Dad, you had a high temper? I said, I sure did. We can change. If I can change that, you can too. I want to ask you tonight, I want you to, to look inside your own life. When you read and study God's word and use it as a mirror to your soul, do you like what you see? Do you? If you don't, did you know you can change that tonight? I mentioned Sunday morning that an individual that I was going to study with, and he said, now I'll, uh, I'll be interested in studying with you when I get everything right in my life. He didn't understand, did he? Paul said in Philippians 4 and 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And I told him, I said, you know what? If you'll come on, if you'll become a Christian, I said, you know, did it take a while for your life to get in this shape? He said, oh, yes, several years. I said, did you know it's going to take a little while for you to get your life totally changed? To what God wants it to be. But tonight, did you know that you can start? You can qualify and enter the Christian race tonight by believing in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned or lost. You can begin to enter that race tonight by believing in Jesus Christ. And also, I believe the hardest part of living the Christian life and the hardest part of becoming a child of God is repenting. Because we must say, look, I have been wrong. You men, is it hard to tell your wife, well, I was wrong there? hard sometimes, right, when, you're, when you are wrong. Repentance means that, look, 
I'm going to do about face in my life. And realize that every once in a while I'm going to fall down. But I'm going to get up. Repentance is something that begins the, as you begin looking to become a child of God and continues throughout your life. And then we must confess the name of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. We must not be ashamed of our Lord. He died for each one of us. But so many people stop right there. We must have our sins removed in the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In 1 Peter 3 and 21, it says that baptism doth also now save us because our sins are washed away. And Romans 6 and 4 says, then we walk in newness of life. Philippians 3 and verse 20. At that point, our citizenship or our conversation is in heaven. That very next chapter in Philippians 4 and 3. It says that our name is listed in the Lamb's book of life. And we talked in Bible class Sunday morning that it's possible for us to change and leave the Lord. You know, when Jesus sent, when he sent his disciples out on that limited commission, he told them there in Matthew 10 and verse 22, he said, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Let me tell you something. Living the Christian life is not a hundred yard dash. Living the Christian life is a marathon. I want you to examine yourselves. When we talk about the Lord's Supper, we assemble around, we're to examine ourselves. See where we are in our relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 tells us that we must examine ourselves. And tonight I ask you to look within you. Examine yourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21 is prove your faith. And if you don't like what you see in your life, please do not wait. Tonight, won't you respond as we stand and sing?